You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. Is that our open on Tuesdays and Thursdays, or oh, do we have the other oh, open? hold on. You're right. Hold on. Here we go. You're listening to The Sports Fix. That's... The Sports Fix with Kevin Sheehan and Tom Lavero. Yeah, that's the one for Tuesdays and Thursdays. You know, are, are we borrowing that from the Museum of Broadcasting? <laughs> we, we are. are. Yes. Okay. Yes. Where is the Museum of Broadcasting Actually, located? It, it's in New York. It is. Yeah, I've been yes, there. Yes, I've been there, too. It's very cool. It is pretty cool to go there. Yeah, it's worth a day trip, actually. It's that cool. Uh, and you'll find lots of Sports Fix episodes up there what's, as well. What's the museum downtown next, um, the one that opened up about 10 years ago, the Media Museum? Why am I blanking the museum? on the name? The, the muse- museum. museum. The museum is a great day to yes, spend, especially for people that love that stuff. And you love it, and I love it, and Mark loves it. That is a great day. Now, it is one of the museums downtown that you actually have to pay to get into. Yeah, it's not like part of the Smithsonian network or anything like that. And you and I did a sh- an appearance we at did, the museum. That's once. right, we did. I yeah. remember that. That was a, that was. They're a still long, talking about that, that down there. Long, well, they put it into the yes. broadcasting museum up yes. in New York. Yes, the appearance. Tommy's here. You can hear that, uh, and he'll be here every Tuesday and Thursday uh, with his new knees and his new eyes. You know, Kevin. Um, <laughs> Kevin, I got to tell you, uh, you know, you know, I live in Frederick. Yes, I do. And. And making this trip down here? Uh oh, already. It's oh, day oh, two yeah. of it's, Tommy. It's yep. like crossing two time zones to get here. <laughs> I needed to show my passport in order to get into town. That was because of the the new look. Nobody recognized you without the glasses. I mean, it's a hole to get here, baby. Well, I'm gonna make that easier on you. Soon. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that easier on okay. you. Okay. There are a couple of ways we can work on that because <laughs> we're not losing you after one week because of the commute. Right. Uh, this tweet, uh, Tommy, and you read a bunch of them as well. This one from Chuck Fuqua. Uh, no no relation, I don't believe, to Frenchie. 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 Right. One of my favorite football players, the guy who wore high heeled shoes with fish <laughs> floating inside uh, the heel. Also famous for being part of the Immaculate Reception yes. play. It was him that the ball deflected off of into Franco Harris's hands. He ran in for a touchdown. And remember, the rule back then is if it touched an offensive player, it was not a complete That's pass, right. and the referees let it stand anyway. I think that was – who Who was the, the safety? Was it Tatum? I think Tatum hit him. I, it might have been Tatum. That's a good guess as any. Yeah. Um, so he, this is the tweet from Chuck Fuqua. Uh, and you can tweet Tommy at Tom Lavero, and you can tweet me at Kevin Sheehan DC. You can tweet the show now at Sheehan Podcast. Uh, so Kevin and Tom are back together for Sports Fix 2.0. It was terrific. I listened to it twice. The rhythm of you two together is the best since Oscar and Felix <laughs> complimented by at Mark Stern. By the way, he asks, is Christopher Walken making picks this year on the show? Well, as you remember, Christopher Walken never made picks on the no, show. No, he did fantasy tips. Yes, on yes, the show. he did. Now, neither one of you know this, but I actually reached out to Chris. I reached out to Chris and asked if he would come on the show once a week, and he said, I'm thinking about it, but he said, I need a commitment from you and Tommy to spend Thanksgiving Day with me down in Dallas for the Skins-Cowboys game. I don't know if you'll make that commitment or not. Seems like I have family in town, but it would be great to go down there and spend Thanksgiving with Walken. 
for a football Thursday in Dallas. Well, is he going to send a plane for us? Uh, he might. Uh, he I mean, if, he that he'll send the Winnebago. Yeah, he had the walk in Winnebago, didn't he? Uh, okay, you know, you and I get in a Win- Winnebago and drive to Dallas. We'll never make it to <laughs> we, Dallas. We kill each other. <laughs> we'll by, never make it to we'll Dallas. We kill each other by Fredericksburg. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we'll think about it and. I'd love to have Chris come back on the show. Many of you don't know that Chris Walken is a huge Redskins fan. And when Tommy and I did our show together, he came on every Thursday, I think, during yeah. football season and made fantasy, gave us fantasy football tips. Big which was Redskins fan. Huge Redskins fan. Uh, Scott Van Pelt's going to be on the show uh, in a little bit. Sue Palka is going to be on the show with us today with an update on the hurricane. Uh, of course, Tommy is here. Mark is here. The band's back together. Tuesdays and Thursdays on this podcast. By the way, um, we're not going to spend all day reading the nice notes that we've gotten uh, and all the memories of the show. Because we could. We could. We, but, we but, could spend hours doing it. But I'm going to read this tweet from Slippery Pete, who said, Kevin, post some audio of Tom and Brooklyn Decker. That has to be one of the funniest moments in your show ever. I don't have access to that audio anymore. Mark, you don't have access to that audio anymore because it's at the former station. But for those that don't know what happened, um, it was one of the Super Bowls. Don't interrupt me while I'm telling you this I'm story. Not going Do to. not I'm interrupt let you me. Have your say. I'm going to tell it accurately, and then you can no. put your spin on it. No, you're you're going to tell right? it the way it's been twisted. We, we were <laughs> we were at a Super Bowl one year. I can't even remember which Super Bowl it, it was, was. In Miami, was it the one in South yeah. Beach? Yeah. Uh, we spent a lot of time in South Beach. And Brooklyn Decker, this was the year that she was the SI swimsuit cover, which meant she was making rounds on Radio Row and she, guest actually, appearances. She was in a movie. Oh, it was the movie? It was a movie she was promoting. That's the, the real story. That, But you go ahead. Can you stop interrupting yes, the story? Yes, I will. Well, I'm just okay. trying to make it accurate. She was also a swimsuit cover. Yes, she was. That's why she was in the movie. <laughs> That's why she was in the movie. So she was making her rounds on Radio Row, and it was her turn to come on with the Sports Fix, ESPN 980 in D.C., and she sits down at the table during the break, and Tom looked up from his glasses and whatever he was reading and looked at her, and the stunning beauty of Brooklyn Decker, three feet away from him, put him into full panic attack. Hamana, 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 hamana. The, the forehead was sweating. Yeah. He couldn't speak. This is true. The, the, the heartbeat was racing at about 200 beats per minute. You talked to and we used yeah. to do this thing where I would usually bring the guest on, introduce the guest, ask a question or two, and then point to Tommy and say, you go and tell me when you're done. And after a question or two, I pointed to Tommy and he waved me off. He couldn't speak. That is the true story of what happened. Okay. You were completely Listen, and utterly flummoxed by her beauty you know, in front of you. I'm not going to – in this town, particularly these days, it really doesn't matter if the truth gets in the way <laughs> of, 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 uh, of fiction. But I'm going to try to, to uh, correct the record on this. Uh, first of all, her beauty uh, did not mesmerize me. I'm surrounded by beauty. On a regular basis, okay? Yes, you so, are. So it's not that big of a thank deal. You, thank you, by the way. Not, not, the nice first, not the first babe I've ever sat three feet away. Uh, at least maybe the first one I didn't have to slip 20 bucks to, but not the first babe. <laughs> or at least a three, couple of dollar bills. Feet away from me. Uh, she was promoting a movie. I don't remember the name of the movie, but the director was Dennis Dugan. And I was trying to remember the character right. that Dennis Dugan played in the Rockford Files, a couple of episodes of the Rockford Files, and I couldn't get it out. 
That is what was going on. He played Richie Brockelman, which wind up becoming a series briefly. And, and that's what I'm, I was trying to tell her that, but I couldn't remember the name. I mean, Beauty, you know, hey, you know Brooklyn Decker? She's okay. Yeah. Let me, if we go back and we did one of these, it was maybe a, a year later because I wanted to prove you wrong in this. You never asked her a question. You stumbled something out of your mouth about Dennis Dugan, and that was it. Uh, it's for people that want like a visual reference. If you've seen uh, Vacation, the, ho uh, the Holly, the Christmas Vacation, when Chevy Chase is browsing through the store, and there's the very attractive woman behind the counter, and Chevy Chase is completely flowing. That's mm. sort of what I, I, I envisioned. I, I, again, you know what? She the, was the, no Carly Simon. The, that was well, for that's sure. True. <laughs> oh, that is yeah. true. You know, we'll have to tell she the Carly. She we'll wasn't on the to, cover of Secrets. We'll have to tell the Carly Simon story someday. We will tell that story one day. By the okay. way, the movie was the called way, Just Go With It. Just Go With but It. But let's just... It was not a memorable film. Let's no. tease the Carly Simon story. You wooed her one day on, a, on an airplane. No. No, that's not true. That was your dream, though. That was my dream. It was, a, it was an Amtrak train was my dream. Uh, are the Nats at five wins in a row and playing as well as they've played recently... Do they have any chance to make this interesting this weekend in Atlanta? Well, of course they do. If they if they do the same thing to Atlanta that they do to the Phillies, they'll they'll be uh, they'll be pulling their hair out down in Atlanta, and people will be talking about the Nats again. Of course they do, but I don't think they're going to sweep Atlanta. They don't have. I mean, last night one of the reasons they won. I mean, besides their offense, was they got a Steven Strasburg like performance from Finally. him. Finally, struck out nine with no walks. Held them to one run, uh, the Phillies to one run in seven innings. This look, the starting pitching has always been the Nats' safety net. I've been saying that for years. If if their offense isn't hitting or something else is going wrong, they rely on their starting pitching to save them. A starter who will give them, who will hold the other team to maybe two runs over seven innings. It's become their their noose this year. It's literally hung them up because the only guy they've been able to count on is Max Scherzer. Uh, so that, I mean, if, if they can manage to get three starters, if Eric Fetty, who pitched great the other night, uh, managed to put together a string of good starts and Strasburg is back to form, then you've got a slim possibility. But unless they can put three starters out there on a regular basis who they know will keep them in the game for seven innings at least before they have to go to their bullpen, no, they're, they're not going to make it interesting. So you're going to have to see another cycle of, of their starting rotation go through. And there's not that many cycles left. I just would love to get to Monday or Tuesday's show with you and have them be four or five back. That would be great. And, you know, be and, and even without that, I mean, let's stop and marvel at Juan Soto. Juan Soto has 19 home runs as a 19-year-old, and eight of those home runs have come with two strikes. This is amazing for a 19-year-old kid to have that kind of plate discipline. I looked at a spray chart of his... Uh, a what chart? A, a spray chart. I know. Uh -huh. I, I get hurt when I... I, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I thought it's it was basically some, one, where, of, one of your analytics things. Where, where you know, shows where the, the home runs have been going. They're, they're all over the place. Right. He's hitting it everywhere. I mean, so, I mean, we're looking at... We're looking at potentially, maybe, the best player in the National League in the next three or four years. In Juan Soto. Which is why they'll move on from Bryce Harper, in your view. Yes, I do. But again, like I pointed out uh, in Tuesday's show, they need starting pitching. There's not a lot of free agents available, and they don't have a lot to trade. Uh, I mean, I could see a, a scenario, even if it's remote, 
of signing Bryce Harper and then trading Victor Robles in a package to get another starter. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's a reasonable scenario. Uh, Scott Van Pelt's going to join us next. That's Sue, good. Sue Palka after that. And then we're going to get to the Redskins and their season ticket situation because the game Sunday is not a sellout for the first time, at least admittedly, in 50 years. It is the Sports Fix 2.0 Thursday with Sheehan and Lavero. want to tell you about Window Nation. Back to school time is right now. And to help you get educated about Window Nation, they're offering instruction on supply and demand. Beat the fall rush. Window Nation has extra capacity now, so lock in the lowest pricing before the demand goes up. With Window Nation's back to school sale, you get one free window for every window you buy, wood or vinyl styles. Buy four, get four free. Buy eight, get eight free. There's no limit. Get an A plus in savings and receive 0% interest for five full years. That's like a free ride until 2023 use it towards your kids books clothes backpacks shoes or even treat yourself it's smart to go with window nation when it comes to windows they're first in class now it's your turn to go to the head of the class call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com get one free window for every window you buy buy four get four free there's no limit plus zero percent interest until 2023 that's five full years do a little homework today get your windows installed before the cold arrives and save big during window nation's back to school sale call today 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com that's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com tell them kevin sheehan sent you so scott van pelt's going to join us every thursday on this podcast or when he's available because i never like to be pushy and having him on the show um but you're always welcome and it's great to have you guess who's here with me every Tuesday and Thursday on the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast. As we live and breathe, Tommy Lavero. Tommy's here with me. Yes, Tom Lavero is here doing the show with Kevin. He's already complaining that the commute's too long. This is his (laughs) second day. He lives in Frederick, and he's complaining that the commute's too long. So we'll see how long this lasts. It may not last that long. And Tommy, is your your tooth okay? You know... I gotta, I gotta get a root canal. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go public with something right now. Uh oh. I'm gonna go public with something right now. That little, that little imitation of yours has ruined my life. <laughs> you realize that? Why? You, you were like, you know, I, I have two sons, and they can't, they can't go anywhere in public anymore. <laughs> Without one of them, once they find out that their dad is Tom Lavero doing the Scott Van Pelt tooth imitation, my wife had to quit her job. Had to quit her job because she was so embarrassed and being ridiculed on a regular basis, and it's played havoc with my life. And you owe me, buddy. You owe me. Well, you know what? I, I, uh, I'm horribly, horribly ashamed to hear that that's happened. But thankfully, now that you're driving from Frederick to work for free for Sheehan two days a week, remember, it was like three consecutive weeks he was out with a root canal when you were on. And finally, that third week, you just said, still a root canal. Does this count as a root canal? <laughs> well, some, t- some days it might. Okay. 
Um, so Scott, I'm, it, I'm not doing it anymore. I, that was it. That, that, I hope people got. I hope people got their money's worth. Yes. I'll never. I will never do that again. Now knowing the pain and, and suffering I've caused you. Well, the damage is done, buddy. Because well, <laughs> yeah, we only needed it once. Yeah, you know what? It doesn't make any damn difference now. I might as well keep doing it. <laughs> All right, Scott's with us. Uh, it is football season, but I want to start with Maryland. Is DJ Durkin going to be the coach at Maryland? Um, I have no, I have no earthly idea. I'll say this: I, I, I think that my understanding is that you know the toxic culture label became that just it was said and then it was repeated so often that, that it was just you know it was accepted as fact. And I don't believe that that, that they are going to find that that's the case at all. In fact, I think they'll find quite the opposite among the rank and file players that are there that I believe are supportive of, of Durkin. Having said that, we all know that there was a tragic situation. A young man died, and I don't know if, if they are, are going to find, even if they do this they, they do this, this internal review and then people find out, well, this was a tragic accident, but actually within the program, He's got a lot of support, and, and it, the, the culture wasn't as described. Can he be brought back, given the, the, the public, public relations uh, perception that already exists? You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what will happen um, moving forward. I do know that I'm just thrilled for the, the kids and uh, that they've had the start that they had, and they beat Texas again, and they got you know, a game against Temple, and, you know, I think that the fact that they focused on that and managed to start as well as they have is a tribute to everybody within the program. So um, I have I, I don't know what they'll ultimately decide. You got the board of regents involved. I mean, it's it's there's there's so many moving pieces and so many other decisions that have to be made, Kevin, beyond just a football coach. So I don't know. Tommy's really good at sort of the whole public relations communications and. He's more experienced in these situations than I. Um, do you think he can survive, Tommy? Well, to me, the, I mean, if what Scott said, and that is the investigation uncovers no no evidence of a toxic culture, why wouldn't he be able to come back? The other word you need to concern yourself with is negligence, and people can be fired for negligence all the time, whether it's intentional or not. Uh, and right. that that's the more disturbing thing that that may come up. And I got to tell you, my opinion is once the family, and I'm not criticizing them, I'm just pointing out, once the family hired Billy Murphy, I think the futures of everybody in that Maryland program was sealed. And Billy Murphy is, is the very uh, embodiment of a high-powered uh, lawyer in this area. And uh, I, just don't, I just don't see how they survive, whether right or wrong. Sky Van Pelt joining us on the show. Let's get to the football. I mean, how shocked are you that they looked as good as they did against Texas and then really destroyed Bowling Green after a bunch of penalties in the first half? What's their upside this year right now at, through two weeks? Well, I mean, I think everyone understood what happened last year. They ended up down to their fifth quarterback again, that an, an amazing and bizarre cloud that's hovered over their quarterbacking uh, situation through the years. And with Kasim Hill healthy, I mean, they've got as many as many weapons at running back as really any team in the country. I think five different guys scored last week. One of them got called back by a penalty, but um, they've got talent, and they've got talent because DJ Durkin and his staff came in here and they recruited talent, and it is it is, exists within the program. It it didn't shock me that they played the way they did against Texas because my understanding was from within was that there was a 
a real um, a real uh, how do you put it? I mean, it, first of all, they're playing for a fallen teammate, and, you, and I don't think you can discount that. But I believe that they also wanted to display what they believed their culture was, the culture of, of this team, and that they were that they were a group that was together. Um, and they played that way when they played against Texas. And um, and then the Bowling Green game, they just couldn't get out of their own way. They kept making mistakes and penalties and this and that and the other thing. And they just, you know, they were demonstrably better, and they ran it down downhill all afternoon or all night, I should say. So, I mean, I don't know what you learned there. I don't know what you're going to learn against Temple either. But here's the thing, Kevin, and you know this. They live in the wrong side of the block. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, maybe Michigan State. I don't know. I, we'll find out about them. But you, you're 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 not as good as the three the first three teams I said. Um, if you if you can steal one at home against Michigan State, I mean you you could Maryland could win. You know, could they win seven eight games? I don't think it, that's out of the question at all. If they won more than that, then you'd really be talking about a remarkable story where they you know they would have had to upset someone that they were considerable underdogs against, you know, Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State on the road, something like that. But, I mean, this is a team that'll, you know, that's, that's certainly good enough to play in a bowl game. Um, how good a bowl game, I don't know. Um, through two weeks of this season, do you have a sense of who's really good other than Bama? Yeah, I think Ohio State is. I think Georgia absolutely is. Uh, Georgia's win on the road last week was awfully impressive. Um I think Clemson probably was too. Uh, I think we're going to find out that A and M is um, is, a, is a good football team. I mean, you win there at night. Um, that that was that was an impressive one. I mean, it's, it's, it's all the usual suspects. The thing, the teams I don't know about are the teams right behind those usual suspects. I mean, I don't know what Wisconsin is yet. I don't know what Notre Dame is yet. I think we'll find out LSU Auburn um, sort of what's what there. But I mean, it feels like exactly what we've seen in the past. I mean, it's these these powerhouse programs that have recruited at an astonishingly high level and it doesn't matter when guys move on because they just the next guy slides up and uh and there's very little drop off are you going to give out rutgers again this weekend and your winners no i, I broke up <laughs> i broke up with them on television the other night um i the, tell I, everybody the, what we're talking about three, so, so kevin does the smell test and I, I i have a segment called winners where we pick games and um the last three times the last three times I have picked Rutgers against a ranked team, they have been outscored 170 to 10. <laughs> and last week I gave them out against Ohio State. They got beat 52 to three. And so on the show the other night, I just I said, you know, we I have to see other people. Um, we we can't we can't keep doing this. You should be happy. I'm telling you, I'm never going to pick you again. But I'm I'm never going to pick you again. So. They're playing Kansas, and they're getting points from Kansas, which is pretty astonishing. But I, I will not I, – I disavowed myself of them. I will not ever take Rutgers on the show again, never again. I told you um, about uh, Clinton Portis, I, who I do this Channel 4 show with every week. And when I walk in, Tommy, to the Channel 4 studios and see Clinton, Clinton will look at me and he'll say, Who's fishy? <laughs> like, uh, and it's, besides it, me, he'll yeah, say. it's 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 the smell test theory, and he always wants to know like who's fishy or who fishy, and w- you, that made you laugh. It makes me laugh every week. But have you? I have not yet really looked at the board yet, except for tonight's games. Um, who looks fishy this weekend? Who's uh, give, give me a couple guys. You don't have to give, give me. You don't have to give out your whole winner segment. Diego stated. San Diego State at home getting less than a touchdown from Arizona State, who just beat Michigan State. Um, 
San Diego State will absolutely be on the winner's list. I mean, they um, – I think Arizona State, like, look, Herm, Herm is – we're all thrilled for him. Herm Edwards, who we worked with at ESPN, people, we all uh, – we adore the man. And it's it's great that they've started the way they did. Because when, when Arizona State hired him, it was he was mocked, you know. What the hell are they doing hiring Herm Edwards? Herm connects with people, and, and it's not surprising to me that those kids have responded to him. But it's a lot to ask to go from being the home underdog one week, taking on the ranked team, to now being the ranked team on the road against a team that's pretty capable. So San Diego State's definitely going to be on the list. Um, the Illinois line absolutely oh, yeah. uh, absolutely reeks. They're, they're, they're playing South Florida. South Florida just beat Georgia Tech last week at home, looked pretty impressive, and they're giving a small number to an Illinois team who's not thought to be particularly good. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely have Illinois on the list. My problem is that I've, I've dug myself a gigantic early season hole I again. So now's where I just go wild and just start just like machine gunning picks all up into the air like an idiot. So we're, uh, I'm trying to pare the list down to make it somewhat manageable. I think TCU looks right. I, I guessed before that game uh, got posted on Sunday, I thought they'd be a 17, 18 point underdog. And it's, it opened at 10. It's at like 12, 12 and a half, 13 right now. But I think they've got a chance to keep it close. I would agree with that. I mean, I, I definitely I definitely agree with that, uh, uh, and it's just it's a little it's a step up class for Ohio State. I mean they they played against you know Rutgers who as we know um, not so much, and uh, whoever the hell they play Oregon State week one. I mean TCU at least at least they're in the same sort of food group. You know you're talking about a a, a legitimate a legitimate talented well coached team, um, and so I'm, I that's certainly. A possibility. I mean, I have them on the I have them on the list, but they're on a list with like 15 games. You can't give out 15 games. Well, you can if you want to. It'd be a long yeah, segment. Um, I've done it before. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, it, it's it's so enlightening to hear degenerates share information <laughs> like this. It's like it's like yeah. it's like standing outside a 12 step program meeting. It really is. It really is. Yeah, we're getting ready to walk into the, the basement of the church. We're going to sit in a circle and we're going to bear our souls to each other. <laughs> Um, I don't know if we're ever walking into that rehab center. It's too much fun. Um, did, do you have any thoughts about the Redskins after a week? I have no idea if, if, the, if the result is more of a reflection of Arizona or if it's more of a reflection of Washington. Um, I, I know that, I mean, I was at work. I do this show on Sundays, and it was one of however many TVs that were on and it was not the one of the big TV and it didn't have the sound up. So it was the kind of thing where I, I didn't watch intently on every play. I just kept looking up, and they kept having the ball, and they kind of kept driving, you know. So um, I think I think Thompson is a real weapon, particularly with, with the, the way Smith plays offense. Um, and I, what I really want to know are, is this, is, are, the, are, the, are the Bama boys they've got up front on this line? I mean, if they're healthy, that's a, that's a legitimate front, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, Payne and Allen and actually this guy, Matt Ioannidis, yeah. um, who Tommy made the call on in training camp uh, five years ago, they actually are really good in their front seven if they're healthy. They weren't healthy last year. They lost everybody right. um, last right. year. Right, and, and I, I think, listen – I, I mean, and I don't know if we find out much more about him this week because I don't think Indianapolis is particularly great either. But, I mean, look, it's one game that they looked awfully good. And, as I say, I, I, you know what? In a month, we'll have a better sense of if it, if it was more indicative of who Washington is or what Arizona is not. I, I, don't, I don't know that right now. 
Uh, Lefty went into the Hall of Fame last Friday night. Um, the speech was uh, incredible. Tommy, did you see it or have yeah, you seen it? Oh yeah, um, it was it was what you would expect though from Lefty. Yeah, he he, st- he stole the show. Um, you did something yeah, really nice on your show, but I wanted you just to give everybody your thoughts. I just I'm just so happy for him and, and Kevin. You 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 more so than I. Uh, you know, being there and hosting that lunch with the legend and getting to know Lefty. Um, you know how much this meant to him. And he, he said as much. He called it the happiest day of his life. I, I'm so thrilled for him. And I have some very close friends who are no longer with us that I grew up going to games with in, in Cole Fieldhouse. Um, a guy named Marv Perry, a guy named John Reimer, um, who were as loyal as, as any Terp fans there ever were, who were doing all they could to try to help kind of elevate uh, Lefty's cause. And... Um, what I talked about on the show is that, that in some ways Lefty's frame for what he did not do. He didn't make Maryland the UCLA of the East. He did not get them to a Final Four. But to frame him for what he didn't do as opposed to what he did for college basketball is the wrong way to, to view it. And um, I actually I actually, um, I, I wrote a note um, that I'm going to send to Mike Krzyzewski that, to thank him because Coach K was very, very uh, instrumental in being vocal about Lefty, whether he was doing it on purpose or, or uh, whether he was just, you know, he truly felt about Lefty. I believe that, that someone like Krzyzewski uh, repping was helpful in, in ultimately getting him in there. And um, in you, me, and, and folks of our age and, and older, and maybe some that are younger, but you'd have not, not much younger, you know, you, your memories are of Lefty. It's, it's a connection to my youth, his basketball camp, the whole bit, you know, um, and I was just so, so happy to see him that happy. And I'm so glad that, that he knows that, that, you know, he's in there and that he belongs in there for, for who he's been to the sport. You know who else was a big advocate for him and was one of his presenters was John Thompson. Because Coach... That's, also, that's a great point. Co- because you, 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 it's interesting that you focused on Krzyzewski. And when I talked about Lefty last week or earlier this week, um, I thought it was really a remarkable story for some to see John Thompson as one of Lefty's presenters to the Hall of Fame. But Tommy and I and everybody that got a chance to work with Coach Thompson over the years knew what he felt about Lefty and how much he respected Lefty. And one of the things he would say so often was there would have been no Georgetown without Lefty. And I, I thought just seeing John Thompson and Lefty on the same stage and, and Big John being an advocate for Lefty to get into the Hall of Fame was really um, – it was ironic uh, when you think about what, how much or at least the perception of how much they disliked each other back in the 70s and the 80s. You, you know what? I'm, I'm, really, I'm glad that you said that. And, and I mean, I, I, I should focus just as much uh, praise to Big John because – you're right. I mean, look, we know the history. We know that Maryland didn't want to play them because they, they, George, Georgetown got to the point where it was like there was no benefit to play them. Um, they, they got too good. Uh, and, and then that sort of that, that created this rift in life for years they didn't play yet, et cetera. So just to see, to see our guy on stage, and obviously Coach Raveling being there makes total sense, but to have him sandwiched, by the Georgetown coach and the Duke coach right. presenting lefty. I mean, that's a, it's a beautiful thing, and it speaks to the, the fraternity that is that coaching profession, and, and it speaks to the respect that, um, that our guy Charles Grice Giselle has within that coaching circle. So, you know, he got in, and 
I just love the fact that he looked up at one point like, everybody else went over, I'm going to talk till I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and nobody wanted him to stop either. Nobody no. did. No, that was the beauty of it. They just they're like, keep going. Are you kidding me? The rest of this just put it man. He was so, so good. God, it was awesome. All right. You know, you mentioned the word respect. Just my one last thing. I mean, that's ultimately, that's what uh, people couldn't ignore. They couldn't ignore the level of respect that other coaches had for Lefty. You're right. Yep. You're right. And that, that ultimately, I think, you know, that, 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 that wins the day because maybe the people that didn't get it looked around at those from within the circle and thought, well, if it's good enough for you, it's, you know, yeah. it ought to be good enough for us. So, um, and, and, and Tommy, I have immense respect for you. I want to make that clear before I say so long. <laughs> you know, that's good. Can you keep a soundbite of that so my kids can carry it around <laughs> yeah, on the phone? Car, carve right. that one out, and Tommy can send it out to his kids. Uh, thanks. Appreciate thank you, it. I'll talk to you. Good luck with your picks this week. I'm behind, too. I need to get, need to get hot here quickly. Uh, it's it's going to happen. There's no, worse, there's no worse thing than being in chase mode. That's that's when you got to go to rehab. In week, in week two of the NFL <laughs> yes, season, I've already got the shovel out. Yeah, right. All right. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Thanks. All right, boys. Have a great day. Sue Palka is going to join us next. This podcast is presented by Window Nation. Sue Palka is with us on the podcast today. With the podcast on Tuesdays and Thursdays includes Tom Lavero. Um, and Woo-hoo! so, we, yeah, we just call it the Sports Fix. And guess where we are, Sue? We're right down the street from you. I. I just found out, and if I'd known that, I just would have driven down to work and walked over to Chatter to check you guys out live. That's fantastic. And, Kevin, I just want to congratulate you. This is the next great move for you. And so many people are so happy that you and Tom are reunited. So yeah. congratulations, and I look forward to uh, many more weather chats with you uh, in a new format. I, I look forward to that. You know that. And I was just telling the guys that really um, my first job out of Maryland was at Channel 5 where you were – working at the time and this was the place that we would hang out all of us oh, yeah. after every and 10 yes, o'clock news right here at chatter and, formerly chadwick for those for those of us who are, are still uh, you know lifers at channel five fox five we still prefer chatters everybody else goes uh, down the road a little bit the younger ones but uh, those of us that uh, still have the fond memories always prefer to go to what we call chad yeah yep. Kevin. and we still do Kevin, I got to share with you. I don't know if you realize this, but I had a chance to talk to Sue recently at length at uh, Steve Buckhans's, you know, the social event of, of the I was, fall. I was out. Steve Buckhans's <laughs> fall party, and you know, she's she's such a nice woman. And you know, you know how I know that because she shared all the stories about what a pain in the ass you were when you used to bug her about this weather front or that weather front or these models or that model. And she was so Aww. patient with you. You know, it, it's just, it really is a testament You're to too funny. To I, I think Tom knows as much about the models now as you do, Kevin. I mean, he can tell me everything that the Euro is doing and the MAM and the, the American model. Well, he like, was Kevin, for- this is... He was forced to learn it or yes. he would have to sit out our conversations and he didn't want to do that. Right. It's uh, so funny, but Tom, I think that was the first time I'd seen you in person. We've been talking for years, and so when you said, I'm Tom Levero, I gave him a huge bear hug. It was so nice to finally see actually, the face behind the voice. First she shuddered, then she gave me a huge <laughs> oh, bear no, hug. no, I did not. But, All uh, right. I will say this. None of us got in the pool, did we, Tom? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that was a good thing, uh, especially as yes, it relates to so, my too. partner here. Um, <laughs> all right, so are we safe from Florence here in D.C.? 
You know, from uh, anything that would be very damaging, absolutely, Kevin. Are we going to get some rain out of it? I was just looking at some of the new models coming in, and, you know, Florence, the new uh, update on Florence is in, too, which I can tell you about. But I know people want to know locally what's going to happen. I wouldn't cancel any plans here. I do think we're going to see some downpours tomorrow. And just like all summer long, a few of those could have some pretty heavy rain in them. So Friday is probably our wettest day going forward, followed closely by next Monday or Tuesday, because that's when the remnants may come through our area uh, on what I'm seeing today uh, on the latest guidance. Now, the weekend, not a washout either. Could we have a couple of showers around Saturday? Yep. Uh, Sunday looks better, and I think most of the activity will still be maybe Fredericksburg on south and a little bit breezy. And you're still going to hear about kind of high tides, minor minor to moderate flooding uh, in Annapolis as well as uh, in the Potomac because we still have this east wind which is piling up the water. And that is partly a result of Florence but partly a result of high pressure that's been sitting over us and protecting us from Florence coming north. So uh, I want to understand something. So the, the weather that we're going to get tomorrow, where you said there could be some heavy downpours, that right. is from Florence as it makes its landfall somewhere in the Carolinas. But then because it's going to move south, the weather will get better. But then when it wraps around and comes back north early next week, we could get rain then again. Exactly. And in fact, if you look outside right now, uh, there are clouds out there, and those are outer bands from Florence. So it's, you know, it's enormous. Uh, it's got a nice big wind field. It's not historically large, but it is big enough that we see some of those outer bands. And since we'll be a little bit in the tropical envelope tomorrow, the downpours, and it's so humid out anyway, the downpours could be, you know, like last night, uh, traveling up 270 could pick up an inch of rain. Um, but I think Friday, hit or miss with the downpours, and then less wet on Saturday and Sunday, and maybe not wet at all on Sunday if it keeps sinking southward into Charleston area. So, you know, can I just uh, talk a little bit weather here, Kevin? Uh, what, Go for it, Tom. You know, <laughs> if Florence is not going to be a dire situation, what I keep reading about is everyone in, in, in the business is kind of surprised at the amount of weather systems waiting to come to hit land like something that they've never seen before like they're stacking up like planes at 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 national airport you're right about that there's i think there are four named systems right now and we're watching a fifth one so you've got joyce and isaac and helene out there and none of those i think are going to affect us joyce is too far north helene is going to turn isaac is going through the caribbean and probably over towards uh, Mexico or maybe into the Gulf Coast, uh, Gulf of Mexico somewhere. But yeah, you're right. It was like we went from nothing to, oh my gosh, you know, we've gone from famine to feast. But uh, there is a lot of warm water out there, and these systems always peak in September, and it's a way to distribute the heat out of the ocean water and get it dispersed a little bit. So it's a real necessary function for the planet, but uh, it's not fun when you're at Myrtle Beach and the top of your hotel comes off. So. <laughs> Uh, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be bad in North Carolina. And uh, I was down there in 1996 when a similar size storm, Bertha, came right to the uh, Wilmington area. That's where we were. We were at Wrightsville Beach. It had winds of 105 miles an hour, which this one has right now. And it blew the pier out of the water. It completely ripped off hotel roofs and the doors and walls. It was shocking. And that was a Category 2. So I think people saw this thing go from a 4 to a 2, and they're like, oh, no big deal. Nothing burger. But, oh, boy, 
this thing is crawling through the Carolinas, and uh, they're going to have a lot of uh, epic flooding and rain and long-term wind and, you know, power outages like we had here uh, with Isabel uh, for, you know, 10 days or so. So it's, it's still rough down there. We're just very fortunate that it's not going to be very punishing for us. Uh, that is the voice, of course, of Fox 5's Sue Palka, the best weather forecaster in town for years um, and a friend to both Tom uh, and me uh, for many years. So, you know, the last couple of days, and I want you to get to the update, and I think you just sort of, you know, mentioned the current wind speeds of Hurricane yeah. Florence. But the last 24 hours, you know, there's been this reaction publicly to, oh, it was a four and now it's a two. And you know how that goes. People all of a sudden think it was hyped. It was overhyped. Yep. Um, Already getting that. So what will this do to the Carolinas? Oh, my gosh. Well, for starters, uh, this because it's cut its forward motion in half, uh, it's going to take a long time to get through there and to approach the coast. So, you know, that hardest uh, hit is uh, before and to the right of the eye. And uh, they're starting to feel those outer bands now. And now it's only moving at 10 miles an hour, Kevin and Tom. Yesterday was 17. So that was well forecast. In fact, this whole thing has been really well forecast by the models. And you know, then you have the hurricane hunters flying into it and giving you some real-time data now. And we're picking it up on radar on land, so you're really getting some good information. Uh, but this is such a long duration. That's, people have to realize, usually these cross, like when I was in Wilmington with Bertha, it was intense for about an hour and a half before and after. Uh, and it was bad before that tropical storm, but the hurricane force only lasted about an hour and a half. For these guys, this is going to be really prolonged with, you know, the tropical storm force winds go out 200 miles now from the center. And uh, you're going to get that kind of battering for uh, maybe 48 hours down there or longer until it weakens. So um, it's still hanging out. Uh, the latest, uh, let's see if I have the, let me pull the track up here. Uh, they still have it. It comes ashore probably about 2 in the morning. In the you know near the Wilmington area, uh, maybe a little bit uh, south of there. I mean, South Carolina still has the possibility of uh, really getting hit hard, but right now they still bring it into Cape Fear about two in the morning, and then it's still drifting along the coast, uh, potentially as a, a weak category one uh, at eight o'clock on Friday. It's not too far from uh, the Myrtle Beach area, and Saturday it's in South Carolina as a tropical storm, and Sunday it's still in. In, uh, that, that Florence, she's a tease. She is a <laughs> she's tease. A um, yes, but you, she's, the, a, she's a flow Joe now. Wow. <laughs> uh, Redskins game, though, Sunday at home, uh, probably decent weather. I mean, it was looking like a washout two days ago, and now it should be okay, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay. I think that maybe a random shower, but maybe it's sunny, too. So it's, it's definitely playable. No reason to cancel. All right. So uh, we'll call you soon because we'll be uh, in winter weather mode. Uh, before we know it, and I won't ask you for what kind of we uh, winter we're going to have. You can only call but... it 15 times a week, Kevin. Well, you got to limit it. Uh, she, Sue okay. knows that I'm much more interested in a winter snowstorm than I, in, than I am yes. in a hurricane, and we do communicate during these winter storms. It's true, and I, and I bother her. I do. Oh, I annoy I'm her. I'm sure you do. And, but it doesn't, you know, her... Her, it doesn't stop me because I, I, I she hasn't, she, you know what? She has not said no yet. That's right. She hasn't said <laughs> oh, no. I never will. But you know, Kevin, uh, speaking of the winter, uh, the buzz is already starting because if we see El Nino, which has not started yet, uh, and in fact, I wish it would have started because then maybe we wouldn't be dealing with four named storms right now. Uh, but because El Nino hasn't cooked up yet, 
Uh, these storms are still prolific in the uh, Atlantic Basin. But if we get a, a moderate El Nino, we might have some decent snow this year. Uh, and they're also kind of keeping an eye on sunspot activity. And the early chances <laughs> uh, are that maybe, just maybe, we will get um, average to above average snow for a change. I can't see us getting three years of, like, two inches. Sue, do you, rem- do, season. do you remember who it was who relied completely on sunspots? For his forecast, it was Gordon Barnes, was Gordon Barnes <laughs> at Channel Nine. Exactly, it was the whole sunspot theory. He was on it in 1978. Oh my God! Uh, and, you know, I always thought that's voodoo. I'm not even paying attention <laughs> to it. And honestly, I still don't. But I do perk up a little bit when others talk about it because I, you know, I don't get it, but others do. And one of my colleagues, uh, Mike Thomas, is kind of into watching that as well. All right, but we, hey, we're we, not just 100% relying on the farmer's almanac. Go for it. Exactly. <laughs> we love you dearly. We thank you Aww. so much when you make time for us, even in this format. And I'll call you soon. Thank you, Sue. Oh, congratulations again, Tom and Kevin. And I see uh, you, a lot of people are really, really, really happy. You guys are uh, back uh, being heard. You're not on the air, but you are being delivered. And, uh, People are always happy to hear what you have to say. Well, we just hope that Tommy stays happy. That could be quite the chore. <laughs> Thanks, Sue, very right. much. Keep him happy. Appreciate right. Love it. You. Bye-bye. You too. Uh, when we uh, come back uh, from this very short break, Tom and I are going to get into the Redskins and the fact that Sunday's game against Indianapolis is not a sellout. This podcast is presented by Window Nation. We're back! How quick was that? Isn't that the best thing about a podcast? Is right now we don't have all these four-minute breaks. I like those breaks. I know you it did. It gives me a chance to breathe out of the oxygen tank. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. How, how long is it? Four? Yeah. All right, let me get some breaths in and go to the bathroom. That <laughs> was like, Tommy's break. He's like Earl Campbell over there with an oxygen tank. Just, you know, just give me a little O2. I'll be fine. So um, the Redskins, Tommy, are at home for their home opener on Sunday. And they have admitted for the first time that the game is not a sellout. Now, they have claimed sellouts since the 1960s, 50 years of sellouts they have claimed. And there was a period where it was valid. Oh, not only valid. I mean, when when, when George Allen got here in 1971, from 1971 until probably... I would say every bit of five years into FedEx, which would have taken us to 2002, maybe even through the Gibbs years. Through the Gibbs years, maybe. You know, through, through 2007. Um, legitimate sellouts every week. Um, since really 2007, since Gibbs left. You know, this, the beginning it, of the Jim Zorn era. The beginning of the, that, that famed Jim Zorn era. One of my favorite stories you've ever told is you actually heard him talk to his wife on the phone. Tell that story real quickly. Well, uh, him and his wife arrived at Redskins Park on Sunday morning before their press conference, and I was the only one there. And uh, they're getting out of a limousine. I go outside just to, like, just to take some notes, and him and his wife get out, and his wife is on the cell phone, and she's saying to somebody, no. No, he's the head coach. <laughs> yeah. The head coach. Yeah, that was stunning to even the Zorns. Yes. Old Jim had to go home and get a suit before he went over to Mr. <laughs> Snyder's. Um, so it, it is interesting on, on, a, on a couple of levels. Number one, it's not surprising to any of us that have been paying attention that the game Sunday against the Colts is actually not a sellout. We've been in that stadium many times over the last decade where it was clearly not sold out. Right. 
Um, but what makes this different, to me anyway, is that the Redskins' new chief operating officer, Brian LaFamina, when he got hired, he actually made the following comment. He admitted that there was no season ticket waiting list, yes, which was the first time the organization had, had ever done that. And then he said about the team that he just went to work for, the Redskins are a sleeping giant. And I remember reading that and thinking to myself, sleeping giant? There is nobody in this town that would have ever referred to the Redskins as a sleeping giant. Certainly not anybody in the organization. And to me, and I said it that day, this admission was perhaps the beginning of them winding down and dialing back the arrogance that became so off-putting to so many over the last 10 years. And I think admitting that the game is not sold out and being hungry for people to buy tickets and being more consumer-focused and not being arrogant like they've been in the past is actually, to me, at least in the short term, a good sign. You say what? Well, I think it is a short term because the other, the other system hasn't worked. The other way that they've seen their franchise slowly uh, been eaten away by uh, all kinds of different forces, I was in, I was in the conference room when Brian LaFamina met with reporters and sat down at a big table and made that statement. And when he made that statement that the Redskins are a sleeping giant, uh, I thought that the doors were going to lock and the floor was going to open up below <laughs> us and we would just disappear. I mean, I figured that Bruce Allen had something in mind for us once he heard that. I, to me, what I think this is one of the remarkable stories going on in this town because obviously... What he's doing and the whole there's they've imported about four or five new business guys. Yes, they have in, in, into that organization. And this message is a direct conflict with the way they've done business, the way they've done business but with Dan Snyder, the owner and Bruce Allen, the team president and general manager. They've seen fit to do business a different way. Uh, look, Bruce, Bruce Allen, those two modes of communication, say nothing or lie. So and now you have a guy who who can't wait to tell everybody how transparent the organization is. Th these are two trains heading for I think a crash. <laughs> well, it could be. Yeah, I think I think they are because I think at some point, uh, I, I look you 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 have to know based on what they've done before that Bruce Allen is sitting there saying, "Shut up! What are you doing? You're telling everybody our secrets. Nobody should know our secrets." But isn't it interesting that they made the hire that they made? They made a hire outside of the organization from the league office. Okay, yes. A guy who's from Jersey, is not from here. Um, a guy who you know is familiar with the Redskins and the Redskins brand from having worked in the NFL, but hasn't been tied to it in any way, shape, or form. And their marketing guy came from Jacksonville, Ziff. from the Jaguars. He did. And I have heard and I've talked to people out there that say that this new group of business people are completely different than the old group, who basically walked around as if the franchise had been winning Super Bowl year after year after year, propping their heads up uh, and saying, you're lucky that you have a chance to participate with us and buy tickets from us and watch our games, because that's what it's been like. And smart people and reasonable people over the last decade plus, and it's been more than a decade really, have said, look, you guys stink for starters, uh, and secondly, I'm too smart to get fooled by your arrogance and your pretentiousness. And this is what's different. Now, you may be right. 
you may be right from the standpoint of eventually it, it, it's, you know, it's at the top. The Dan Snyder says, I don't like doing business this way. Yeah. I gave it a try, and I don't like I mean, we've seen I don't him like do, being we've, hungry for, for new business. We've seen him do that on the football side. We've seen him do it before, where he said, you know, I don't like this. Well, that was Marty Schottenheimer. But we've seen That's him a do long it. time ago now. But we've seen him do it. Well, we've seen him as, as recently as 2013-14 yes. pick a quarterback over a coach. Yes. Um, and a potential future coach in their offensive coordinator at the time who was – Mike's son, by the way, Mike Shanahan on the show tomorrow. Um, so you'll be able to he hear Mike uh, with me tomorrow um, on the podcast. I just, look, I'm going to give it a chance. Here are two things that, and I, I've actually talked to Brian a few times, um, and he is a good guy, he's smart too, and there is a level of self-awareness with one of their executives that's been very rare over the years. And that's just me from just trying to size up the person. And I, have you had conversations with him? Look, only, only with other reporters. I agree with you. I think, I think he's a smart guy and I think he's, he's taking a smart path. I would just tell him to rent, not buy. Well, okay. Um, and that may ultimately be the advice that he should have followed, but there is a humbleness to him and a self-awareness that hasn't existed. But I have said to him, look, two things matter more than anything else right now. You, what you're doing day by day, you can control. You can control the way you communicate with this market, with your fan base, in a different way than it's been done in the past. What you can't control is winning. Because the first thing that has to happen to get a waiting list once again is that the team has to become a winner. They have to do things in a way that give them a chance for sustained success, which they've never been able to do in a league where it's designed for everybody, even the worst of organizations, to strike gold and hit pay dirt right. at least once every five or six the, years. The accidental success exactly. season. So you've got to build a sustainable winner. That's got to happen. And then the other thing, and this is my belief, the stadium's got to go in D.C., it cannot be out in the bowels of Virginia. It's not going to be in Virginia. And, I'm it can't, and, that. It, and to me, Tommy, and I know that you think, I believe you think this is a better location um, out in, you know, by, by the in National Harbor and, and by the MGM. I think it needs to be downtown before it's there. Look, I, I'm, my preference, I, if, if I was to just like make the decision based on where I think the best place for it to be, I would put it in, in the city, I would put it in the district. But what I think is going to happen is I think it's going to wind up in Maryland. I don't think I don't think Virginia's ever going to really be a serious player in this for a number of reasons. Uh, for one thing, Virginia doesn't doesn't fund projects like this. They don't. Do, I mean, on a small scale, we've seen uh, stadium speed uh, efforts like on a minor league baseball level be shut down one after the other. They're still looking for a new minor league baseball stadium in Richmond, the capital of, of the state. They've been waiting for years for that. So, I mean, we saw Jack Kent Cook, what he ran against. He wanted to put the stadium over in Potomac Yards. Virginia doesn't do things like that. Just ask Disney with their uh, Civil War uh, theme park that they were going to But gonna they build. sort of did it with the Redskins training camp. Uh, but that was simple. I mean, nobody even knows it's there. I mean, it's not—it's not a big public works project. It was, like, ex it, but it was expensive relative to what the turnout was. Yes, and remember that was ninety. And, that was that was Cook and ninety-two. No, I'm talking about oh, Richmond oh, recently. Oh, that! Oh, that! Yeah, that that works against them. 
that's been such a financial debacle. I mean, state legislators are going right. to look at that and say, we're going to do business with these people? Look at how much money you're costing well, the state. But yet they're back for a few more years, right? Oh uh, Well, because they're locked in. I thought they renewed. No, I, I, I think they lo- they're locked in. They All right, go ahead. Finish your choice. point. And I think we keep talking about the marriage of gambling and the NFL. Uh, there's not even casino gambling in the state of Virginia. There's a casino, a very powerful casino, the MGM, right down there at National Harbor with a piece of land right next to it, ready for a football stadium. Yes, you're going to have all kinds of transportation issues like you do where they're at now. I just, and I just think that's where it's going to wind up. I just think ultimately that's where it's going to be. And yet, uh, while there is casino gambling in Maryland, they couldn't even get the sports betting thing on the ballot in November. Oh, I know. Maryland had Maryland it took Maryland had screwed up their casino gambling, but they eventually got it. They'll be the last one in the neighborhood to have sports betting. But like I said, Virginia doesn't even have casino gambling. I mean, they they're way behind on 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 this thing. All right, let's get to our first NFL power poll of the year. Rank them 1 to 5. It's time for our weekly NFL power poll. All right, this will be fun to do with Tommy every week um, because usually the way he used to do it is he would say right before NFL power rankings, oh, we're doing that today? Oh, I better come up with something real quickly. That's pretty much what I did with everything, <laughs> with isn't everything. it? Yeah. <laughs> everything. Everything. Yeah. Um, top five and then a team or two or three that you think we should keep an eye on because those teams could be in the top five at some point this season. I'll let you go first, unless you want me to go first because you're not ready. Okay, now listen. <laughs> what? Now, he in, in the promotion, it said one through five. Yes. So are we going one through five or five through one? No, we always did it five through one. We did a countdown. So yeah, the five, fifth, four, three, fourth, two, one. third, second, and then your number one team. Okay, so we're going backwards. Now, do you want me to go first? Because I am ready if you're not. Uh, well, you know what? Why don't you go first? Oh, I figured. So I can get ready. Okay. Let me tell so, this. Kevin, why don't you go first? I'm going to okay? go ahead and go first. Um, <laughs> my number five team is the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they are right now a work in progress offensively. They didn't look very good against Atlanta. They need Wentz. Foles is fine. Um, they still don't have a lot of weapons. I do like some of the backs they have. I like Jay Ajayi, but... Uh, personally, if you go back and look at Philadelphia with Nick Foles until that Super Bowl game, um, it was turnovers that sort of created short fields in the NFC Championship game, and they only scored 15 points against the Falcons in a game they they nearly lost anyway in that first divisional game. I'm not impressed with Philadelphia offensively. I am impressed with Philadelphia defensively. I still think Fletcher Cox is the best defensive player Certainly one of the top two or three in the division. I've got the Eagles at fifth right now. I've got the Panthers at fourth. Really? I'm telling you, Tommy, that Norv Turner is the offensive coordinator and basically just saying, hey, Cam, guess what you're going to do this year? You're going to run the football. Because when Carolina's been good, Cam has been a run threat in various ways. Read option, speed option, quarterback sweeps, quarterback draws. Carolina is very good defensively. They've got to stay healthy defensively. They were a playoff team last year. I like the Panthers this year. I think the Carolina Panthers are going to have a good season. I'm impressed with them so far. Minnesota's three for me. 
Um, I think they're going to struggle offensively early. They've got uh, major issues along the offensive yes, they line. Do. They, they got some problems. And Kirk there. made some really good throws in his debut, and Dalvin Cook looked, good, looked very good, and they've got great receivers in Diggs and Thielen and, and a tight end in Rudolph. Uh, it's their defense that I still think will carry them early. But they're really good, and to me, I've always thought that the Redskins got the worst part of the Cincinnati coordinator yes. deal. Yes, Mike Zimmer to me is a top five to seven coach in the NFL, somewhere in that Absolutely. neighborhood. I don't, I, 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 I don't know 100%. where my rankings are. That's that's a gut feel. I can do that at some point down the road. But I love Mike Zimmer as a coach. Um, I will say this real quickly because I watched that Forty Nine er game uh, on Monday. Uh, on the all twenty-two, but just the the delivery of the of the Fox broadcast, De Filippo, the new offensive coordinator who came from Philadelphia, very bland offense, very bland, um, very traditional, no RPOs, no n- nothing, and and maybe this is a limitation of Kirk, I don't know, but it was very, very basic. Uh, that's the only way I can describe it. I was expecting a lot of what Philadelphia did. A lot of uh, you know, a lot of of of, of Andy Reid and uh, in, in company from Philadelphia, and what they did last year um, on, on the way to a Super Bowl. You didn't see any of that in Minnesota. None of it. The Rams are the second best team. They have the best combined offensive and defensive talent right now um, in the NFC. The Patriots, Tommy, are my number one team. Uh, the Patriots looked impressive. Brady didn't look like he has missed a step. They may not have the weapons. It never seems to matter. The Patriots are my number one. Uh, And I'll give you the four teams, three or four teams, that I think you should keep an eye on here after I get your top five, which you're now ready for. Okay. Uh, My number five team would be the Green Bay Packers. Uh, They had a tremendous comeback like we've never seen before uh, against – the Bears and uh, Aaron Rodgers may not be as hurt as everyone thought uh, initially. And I just think when you've got him as a quarterback, you've got to be one of the top five teams in the league on any given Sunday. Uh, so I like the Packers at number five. Uh, I like the Eagles at number four. Uh, so you right. don't have him up there as, as the defending champ at number one either? No. Why? No, because I think there's questions about their offense. I, uh, you know, I, we don't know what Carson Wentz is going to look like when he comes back. I think he's going to look pretty good when he comes back, when he finally comes back. He's, a, he's an elite quarterback. Yes, I, I, I know that. But uh, we don't know what – we don't know if he'll be if, – if his lack of mobility will be a problem, and if it is, if that will affect his quarterback play. Their defense is great. I think potentially, if you're looking for, uh, if somebody's looking for a replacement head coach next year, I think uh, you'd be looking at Jim Schwartz, there, the Eagles' defensive coordinator. Uh, I, I think whoa, he does a, whoa, 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 a good job. Wait a minute, you're you're firing the head coach? After, no, no, I after said if anyone was looking for, oh, looking for, a head I didn't coach, say Jim a Schwartz. specific team. Okay, gotcha. I, I said that Jim Schwartz would probably be a candidate. Uh, I got the Vikings at number three. Again, I like Mike Zimmer just like you. I think that, that they, they, the Vikings got the better end of the Cincinnati uh, coordinator uh, um, exodus. Uh, their defense is great. Their offensive line is a big problem, but they have great offensive weapons. And, uh, you know, you and I are both on the same page about on, on Kirk Cousins. I think ultimately, uh, you know, they're, they're going to wind up being one of the top teams in the league to beat every week. Number two, I've got the Patriots. 
you know, it's hard not to put them number one uh, because, well, because of Bill Belichick is, is the best coach we've seen in maybe any sport. Uh, you know, Tom Brady's still getting it done. They have playmakers uh, like, uh, what's his name, Carterell Patterson. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, they get better as the season goes on. And the Patriots consider the first four uh, regular season games as preseason games. Uh, and maybe they'll make the Super Bowl uh, eventually, which I think they will. On the other hand, they'll be facing the best team in the NFL right now, and that's the, that's the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and maybe the new best coach. Don't you love saying the Los Angeles oh, Rams? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> too. Absolutely. That's the team we grew up with. Yeah, yeah Vince Ferragamo just called in and said thanks. Yeah, well, Roman Gabriel <laughs> Roman said the Ga- same thing. You know, I met Roman Gabriel once at a minor league baseball team. Uh, game in Charlotte, North Carolina. What a massive individual. I mean, he was huge. He must have been a bear to have to bring down uh, to tackle. But look, uh, their their defense under Wade Phillips with, with all the hot shots that they imported. Is, is, is If Wade Phillips can keep that uh, loony bin sane <laughs> over the course of the season, the defense is going to be shut down. Uh, and Sean McVay uh, may be the new Bill Belichick in terms of one of the great head coaches Whoa. in this league. Yes. Really? Yes. The new Bill Belichick. Yes. Okay. Well, then the Redskins made a big mistake letting the, the new Bill Belichick leave, didn't yes, they? Yes, they did. They did. Yes, they did. Um, all right, I got a couple of teams to keep an eye on. First of all, I mentioned this um, in the NFL buy or sell segment yesterday. I actually think the Redskins are a team to keep an eye on. And I'm not. this is not a homer play. Um, I have a feeling, Tommy, and I said this on the show yesterday, that I believe that this is one of those years we're going to get to to the month of December, and they're going to be in it. They're going to be in the hunt. That this is not a ba- this is a good roster. It's got to stay healthy. Every NFL team has to stay healthy. Um, but it is a different vibe, and it's a good roster. I think it's the best roster. Cooley said this to me last spring. It's the best Redskins roster since 2007. Uh, I like the team. I, I, you know, I'm not saying that the Redskins are going to have a chance to be in my top five at some point during the year, but I think they could be just on the outside of that. I think this is a team that can win nine or ten games. You know how I feel about the Ravens this year. I think the Ravens are going to win 11 games uh, really? this year, minimum. Um, I think Joe Flacco is going to have a career year. Uh, I, I've been, I was saying that before the season started. He's got weapons. They've got a defense, and that is a good organization. They're going back to the playoffs this year. And I thought the Bears looked impressive in the loss to Green Bay the other night. Defensively, they've got a total havoc wreaker in Khalil Mack. Uh, I think the Raiders will rue the day that they didn't sign him and they traded him. They've got young talent on that team. And Trubisky, to me, in the first game of his second season, looked competent, looked capable. And there have been rave reviews coming out about him in Chicago. Uh, I think the Bears are going to be a much improved team this year. You know who you didn't mention? The Jets. Uh, no, not just the Jets. I mean, that, that, that was hard not to based on their impressive win. But I was watching uh, in, a, in a bar last night. I know it's hard to believe. Uh, but on one of the TVs, they were replaying the Steelers-Browns game. And I'm sitting there thinking, how did the Steelers wind up getting tied in this game? How did that happen? And, I, 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 you know, Steelers are usually among the top five or six teams in the league. I don't think they're going to be this year. I think they're going to struggle. 
They turned it over five times, six times in the game. Roethlisberger, I think, had five of them, was responsible yeah. for five of them. But, Tommy, you know, this is one of those things that, you know, everybody looks at the NFL and they'll look at Cleveland and they've, they've won one game in their last 32 games. But that's another team that has some talent. Now, it did not show offensively. But where it did show and came up consistently was on defense. They are building under Greg Williams, the coordinator there, a, a very good defensive football team. Um, first of all, Jabril Peppers, their, their first-round pick from 2017, looked really good. Miles Garrett, their pick oh my gosh. from last year, is a monster. Yes. Okay, a monster. Um, they've got corners. The guy that they drafted in the first round this year, Denzel Ward from Ohio State, I think had two picks in his very first NFL game. Um, this is going to be a very good defensive team. They turned the Steelers over a ton. It's not going to surprise me if Cleveland's in that seven or eight win area this that year. That would be a big leap. Uh, Tyrod Taylor struggled. Yeah. Now, I agree with you about I've got one team to watch, and I would say that's the Redskins. I agree with you that wow, this is one of the most, Redskins. There's one of the talented rosters that they've had, but it's it's very superficial. It's it's if if you if one or two guys drop off, they're back to being the same old Redskins. And one guy in particular, and I think we forgot how valuable he is, and that's Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson and Jordan Reed. Are well, crucial. I'm, I'm going to even limit it to Chris Thompson. Well, you can. I mean, look, the season last year. If you want to go back to the season ending last year, came in New Orleans. When Chris Thompson got injured, was lost for the year, and the Redskins blew a 15-point lead yeah. in the final three minutes of regulation and lost in overtime. That was, for all intents and purposes, and I said this yesterday on the show, that ended the competitive portion of the season I last agree. year. They could not overcome the loss of him with all of the other players right. they had also lost I mean, up he until He is. Point. He's one of the players where the defense on every play is saying, where is Chris Thompson? Where is he? We need to know where he is. Redskins don't have many players like that. All right. We are at Chatter um, in Friendship Heights. Uh, this is the restaurant that Tony and Gary Williams and Maury Povich and Alan Bubis own. The food is phenomenal. Don't it's you a own great a location. I have no part in, in a restaurant, sure? nor would I want to have a part in a restaurant. But it's a great podcast studio. It's a great place to come and watch games. Um, Thursday night NFL football tonight, Ravens, Bengals, football all weekend. It's a great spot to come and check it out. All right. I want to finish up the show uh, today with this. Two things. One, I think I have an early smell test pick. I'll get to that in a moment. But you said to me today that your commute from Frederick to Northwest D.C. was two hours? It was longer yesterday. Well, yesterday you didn't come I mean, in to well, see me. Well, maybe that's why it was You came in to see that, you, that maybe, other friend of yours. Maybe that's why it was longer. No, no, actually. From 106.7 The Fan, where Tommy is on with Chad every, Chad Wednesday, every Wednesday and with Andy every Saturday morning. Yes, I might want to point out that's a different time of day, so that commute is a little bit easier. My point is, on Tuesday, it took me longer than two hours to get here. I don't, I don't believe it took you two hours to yes, get here. Yes, I left at 7.30. Uh, what, way, what way did you go? I, I, well, for one thing, I, I went the way that Waze took me. Did you okay. did you go did you go two seventy to well you don't ninety five to River Road you or don't did you... yes I did but you don't take two seventy until until Clark's Clarksburg 
because it's two lanes from Frederick to okay, Clarksburg, got it. and it's a, a parking lot okay. until then. I, and I don't know that commute. You know it better than right. I because that's where you live. It, it's literally. Is it really uh, two hours? It's it's like crossing over time zones, Kevin. It really is. It's, I don't know if this you is going to work out. You might have to start sending a car for me. I don't know if this is going to work out. Actually, there is a way that it can work out very easily. It's technology. You don't have to come in to the studio. You know what's interesting? This is how it starts, Tommy. This yeah, is how it starts. But, it's, Mark, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this because you know this because you and I had many conversations about this when Tommy and I did the show together and you were our producer for seven and a half years. You know, Zabe for years has done a lot of the shows from his home studio. You know, when he was doing it with Andy or when he was doing it with Galdi and Cooley. Cooley and I were very rarely in the same studio. And a lot of shows don't need to be in the same studio, and the listener never knows. Cooley and I Skyped with each other, so we were looking at each other the entire time. You always said to me, and I agreed with this, that Tommy and I were better in studio together. That when we were apart, like when he was at a Super Bowl, because he got to go to a lot of the big <laughs> events, and I would stay back you in, would get in kept D.C., behind, yes. and I would get kept behind... Because Tommy needed the visual stimulation, is I think the way you would put it. And so I think we can, with technology, put them on some sort of home setup and just, we'll Skype with each other. Sure. Well, Because well, like, I don't want him to have to commute two hours. I don't, I don't know if that'll work, because I think this time, I want to make sure I keep you close, <laughs> just to keep an eye on you. you well, I need, well, there, there I need is that. that. Yes. Yeah, I always think, guys, I think people are better in studio together. Just because there's body language and I'm, like you, you can see each other, but but yeah, it, I don't want you driving 45 hours to get here. You He's know? not. That's, he won't do it. I, yeah. I know him. And, it, and there is a way to it's get. It's got to be convenient. Yeah, for him. there's a way we could set it up. The technology will find a way. Well, let's just keep it going for a while, and uh, well, and see how it goes. On the good side, it does give us content every time. You know, I mean, because you come in Tommy's commute. Let's make it a second. No, I I know one thing about him. All right, it, it's got to be convenient for him because after him, everybody else comes first, and so he's not coming two hours, two days a week to use, see me. Do you use ways? Uh, I do sometimes. I've found ways actually to to mess things up sometimes. So sometimes I'll just follow normal GPS. It, right. it had me turn off. Uh, Urbana Pike at one point. You're in an area of town I'm not familiar with. Uh, up near Frederick. Yeah. And it said, turn left We're here. city boys. I turn left, and all of a sudden, I'm on a gravel road. And there's no room for another car. Well, Does Waze say something like, trust me, it's okay? <laughs> well, oh, You're on I a don't... gravel road. No wonder it took you two hours. Well, 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 yeah, because was it was Amish avoiding the traffic that was ahead on Urbana Pike. Oh. And it was a smart move. But it took me on a road, and at one point, I'm looking ahead, and I'm seeing water on the road, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're headed towards the Potomac, yeah. or where you live, it would have been the Shenandoah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to drown doing this <laughs> this podcast on the second day. I liked when you lived in Olney better, or in Howard County. Yeah, yes. can you, well, I, actually, that's the fix. Just move. Just, yeah, move, just move, Tommy. Just I mean, move. seriously, just move. You know, my wife loves it in Frederick. <laughs> I mean, Frederick is very cool. That is cool. And do you know my wife, who's retired now, Liz? Yeah. Uh, do you know she goes to Florida for three months of the winter? With you or without Without you? me. <laughs> it's called a vacation, Kevin. Oh, my God. Without a vacation. Oh, a, vac- a vacation for who? Well, for her. Yeah. Um, look, if I, if I were married to you, I'd go on vacation for three months out of the year also. And I'd find a place warm and, and much nicer and far away from you. What do you... 
What do you do by yourself for three months? At, oh, oh, I don't even want to know. I know. Actually, what? That's I know. premium know. content. Yeah, that's premium and content. People just... are going to have to pay for that. <laughs> I'll just say there's a lot of Rockford Files and Kojak <laughs> yeah. going on every night. Who loves uh, you, baby? All right. Um, <laughs> that was the four seasons. Uh, quick early smell test. First of all, last week I was 4-4-1 four, four, on the smell test. I'll have the full smell test tomorrow. But tonight's NFL game actually offers up one of those, Tommy, situations where, as Clinton would say, something's fishy. <laughs> and the Ravens, who beat Buffalo last week 47-3 to with Nathan Peterman, a quarterback, um, they now get Andy Dalton. I've always been an Andy Dalton fan, and I know a lot of you out there are not. I think Andy Dalton's a starting quarterback in the league and a top, close to a top half of the of the league starting quarterback. Cincinnati's favored and there's sharp money on Cincinnati and the public after seeing the Ravens destroy Buffalo, the public is heavily on the Ravens tonight. So Cincinnati's the play laying a point. I just like the Ravens a lot. Like I think they're really good. I think and I don't want Baltimore to be good at anything as a DC guy, but you know this about me. I've always respected that organization, Ozzie Newsom and, and that whole that whole organization. And I think Harbaugh's are a very good coach. And I'm one of the few that actually believes that Joe Flacco is pretty good, especially in big spots. So I love the Ravens for the season, but the early smell test pick tonight. God, I don't want to do it. I really don't want to do it. Don't do it. But the public's on Baltimore and their sharp money on Cincinnati. So the Bengals, minus one, is a smell test play. I'm going against my better judgment and going with the theory, Tommy, that has always been part and parcel to the smell test, which is I don't know anything, and Vegas does. Vegas needs the Bengals tonight to cover that number, and I think they're going to get it. You know what? Uh, so does Charlestown, West Virginia. Is that where you're going? No, but that they, they need it too. <laughs> they need it too. <laughs> Boy, I heard that sports book is unbelievable. Let's talk to those guys. We should get them as yes, an advertiser on the show. Uh, tomorrow on the show, Mike Shanahan will be my guest. The smell test, skins beat Colts if. Lots of Friday football picks, lots of gambling talk. Tim Murray's going to join me on the show tomorrow. He's my uh, friend when it comes to college gambling. And we'll get a preview on the Colts from somebody in Indianapolis as well. Thanks to Mark. Thanks to Aaron. Thanks to Chatter, Tony, Mike, everybody here. Um, have a great day. <laughs>